As we've um, continually talked about through the years, and we've celebrated in July 25 years of ministry, and um, now we're in the second quarter. First 25, and now we're in the beginning of the next 25. And the uh, rest of this year, I'm just sharing with you some things that I believe are vital to being energized and motivated to connect to the vision of the house and to be a part of the next 25. You know, God, you, you may be here today. God may move you out of here. He may move you somewhere else. But, but you, you, every day in your connection, every day that you're a part of something, you need to be a part of it like you're going to be a part of it for the rest of your life. And if God does something else and he moves you or he moves you in a certain different direction for whatever reason, you know, and it's a God thing, then, then that's God's business with you. You understand? But you're here like you're here for the rest of your life, committing yourself and connecting yourself and being a part. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's beneficial to be and, and to connect yourself to something that's bigger than you are, something that has vision at another level so that your vision can connect to the vision of the house, the, the, the entity that's bigger. Because, see, God's building his church, and we're part of the church, and we want to be connected to that so that our vision individually flourishes. People can flourish in a greater way when you're connected to something that's bigger than you are. And, and, and it's vitally important that you understand that and that as you're connecting on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis, that you're becoming more a part of what we're about. And so this, all this rest of the year, in, in just in different ways, sharing several things that I think are vitally important to being a part of that. And last week I shared, um, I shared a message in regards to sustaining um, your motivation and, and how to sustain motivation, how, how to keep motivation alive, how to, how to be and continue to be a motivated person. We don't want to lose our motivation in, in the direction that we're moving because God's doing a new thing. We read a couple of weeks ago, we read uh, the verse out of Isaiah 43 that God is doing new thing. God is always doing something new. He has seasons that he does one thing and then he shifts to a new season and he's always doing a new thing, a new fresh thing, something that is greater and bigger and, and stronger and, 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 and the desires that God has to accomplish things are always greater. His desire is always moving forward and in a greater way, in a bigger way, never moving backwards. God didn't always, God never looks back and says, well, it was better back there and we're going to go backwards. No, he's always doing something new. And the things he did today, the things he did yesterday and the things he's done today are for what he's doing tomorrow. And God's always looking for progression in the hearts of people. God's always looking for people to progress. He doesn't want you to stay the same. He wants you to get bigger in the way you see things. He wants you to get stronger and, and, and more motivated in, in what you purpose to accomplish day to day. And, and, you know, one of the things that we have to be really aware of the farther that we walk with God, and, and, and I love this fact, is that you don't have to feel like, you, you, you don't have to have a great feeling every day. You don't have to feel happy every day of your life to stay motivated. You, you don't have to feel like everything's great, you know, every single day and everything about every day to stay motivated. Because, see, if you're only, if you're only motivated and you're only, and you're only moving forward when everything around you is good, most of the time you're going to be moving backwards, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the world and there's a lot of things on a day-to-day basis that want to come after your joy and your happiness and, and try to keep you from accomplishing things that, that, that God wants you to accomplish. So not having to feel a certain way and not judging things and, and basing whether I'm successful or not on the way things look today, and, and that, that should be something that encourages people, and what it does is it creates a greater motivation 
in your life, and it creates a greater desire to stay motivated when you realize, okay, you know, I don't, I don't like everything today, but it, it's okay. It's, you know, I'm in God's hands, and I'm doing what God's telling me to do, and the end result is going to be different than it looks today, and you can have confidence in that. And God wants us to be confident that as we're only moved by what he says and does and what he's promised us, then we won't be moved by what we see. Amen? It's very important that, that we understand that. Um, last week I shared with you, um, I made this point that, you know, if you've been around here for a certain period of time, there may, have been, there may be times in the past when you were motivated and other things have come up in your life or things have tried to, you know, maybe distract your motivation where let's just talk about church life this relates to every area of your life you may be in business and maybe you were motivated at one point or one time and now your motivation is slacking and you're really struggling to stay motivated in your life and God wants you God wants you to practice some real basic principles and I want to just remind you what I talked about last week and then I want to talk about one point today in in the rest of the service but Several things that I talked about last week is that, n- number one, we've got to be people that, that don't hold back and, and that, that, well, let me say it like this, that hold ourselves back so that we don't overdo something, but we don't hold back to where we do nothing. Sometimes, you know, you can get really stirred up and excited about doing something. It may be the beginning of the year and you're going to get on a new weight program. You're going to work out and you do it for a couple of three weeks and you're all excited and everything's great, you know, and then, you know, three weeks has gone by and you miss a day, you miss this, and then, then you miss a week and then it's like you never even started it. And, and sometimes what we have to learn is that when we're going to stay motivated or redevelop our motivation for a specific thing. Let's just take working out as an example. Maybe what God would reveal to you to really help your motivation is just start something that you know you can accomplish. And I think I mentioned last week, you know, I I read a thing one day where this guy said that he, he overcame this situation that I'm talking about by just starting walking Five minutes from his house and five minutes back. Every day, every morning, seven days a week, he walked five minutes and had his watch. And when he got five minutes, he just turned around and walked home. So he walked ten minutes every day. And the more he did that, as, as, as he did that seven days a week, and he didn't stop, he said for the first time, as I was reading this story about this guy, he said for the first time in my life, he said, Half a year went by and I was still doing the same thing. It's the first time it had ever happened. So instead of, you know, I'm going to go to the gym and start working out, you know, and work out five times as much in the first day than you should be doing anyway, you know, thinking, you know, if I do five times as much, you know, I won't have to work out for the next three days and so it'll all work that way. It don't work that way. How many know it doesn't work that way? And you can, you can give those muscles some pain and, 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 and do, you know, do a massive workout and it's not going to accomplish what you want it to accomplish because you need to pace yourself and be consistent. And, there's, and, and I'm just using this as an example to talk about life because life is about consistency and, and, and maybe holding ourselves back at times so that we don't set ourselves up for a failure. And that's what happens in a lot of cases. People start businesses and they, they start out with a bang and they, you know, they, well, I'm going to start this business and they go into major debt and borrow everything just to make it look like it's good. And then, you know, six months later, they're filing bankruptcy because they couldn't handle what they were doing. Why not just start small and, and work your way up? And the Bible says don't, dis- small, don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise something that's small because if you become consistent in that, if you can walk 10 minutes a day, every day for seven days a week, I'm telling you, you can do something else every day, seven days a week. 
It's gaining that victory. And, and, and one of the ways that we maintain a motivation and, and increase motivation and even resurrect loss motivation is just by maybe holding back a little bit, yet keeping us from holding back totally and doing nothing. Because when people get unmotivated, they don't want to do nothing. And then, then you see someone that looks like they're kind of lazy, and they're not, really, they're not necessarily lazy, they're just not motivated because they've not seen success. It's just one of the things last week that we talked about. We also talked about, you know, just daily continuing to do what it is. Just, just get up and just do it. You know, don't, don't allow the circumstances around you to overwhelm you. And that's why if you start small, when, when overwhelming circumstances try to get you to quit, you just tell yourself, I'm going to keep doing it because you know you can when you've started out small and you're working on something to work up to something bigger. God wants us to be people that are motivated and that we keep our motivation. Staying accountable is another thing that I talked about about the importance of accountability. It's important in, in the church world to be accountable, but it's important also individually to have people that you're accountable to. You know, just in, just in fi- finding the right people. I'm not talking about it being accountable to just anybody, but somebody that is going to challenge you. If, you. if you just get people around you that are just going to agree with everything you think and say, you'll never amount to anything. You need sometimes you need people around you that are going to challenge you in things in your life that, that if you know that someone's holding you accountable, it'll cause you to do things. It will. You know, you know, what, you'll, you know what you'll think about when you're not going to do something or when you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing? You'll think about them because it's a place of accountability. And only you can, only you can do that. Only you can cause yourself to be accountable in the church world or with an individual person or whatever that accountability is. Only you can do that, and you have to set that up for yourself. Um, I also mentioned about destroying negative thoughts, the way that negative thoughts on a day-to-day basis can, can just absolutely shut people down. The Bible says as a man thinks, he's that way. However you think on a day-to-day basis is the way you are. If you think you're a loser and, and that came from somewhere in your past and you've never changed that, then at the end of the day, no matter what anybody else tells you, no matter, no matter what anybody else says, someone else can tell you all kinds of stuff all day long trying to convince you that you're not. But if you believe you are because of the thoughts that have, that have ruled your mind, that have become a stronghold in your thinking, then at the end of the day, you're a loser because of the way you think you are. And the only way to stop the thoughts is to replace the thoughts with new thoughts. But you can't replace a thought with a thought. You have to replace a thought with words. Right? You you can't have a thought and then change that thought by... It won't change. Right? Right? So you got to say something. you got to declare something out of your mouth. you got to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When it looks like I can't accomplish something and it looks like I'm not going to prosper, I'm not going to be successful, and you've got nine miles of bad road and bad, you know, uh, experiences in the past where you've not been successful and and those thoughts are constantly ruling your mind and telling you you can't do it and listen listen if you're not a success and you're not you don't see yourself successful success starts within not in the natural the the harder you work to look like you're successful the worse off you're going to get success starts from within and it comes from squishing and destroying and putting negative thoughts under our feet you see and and as we do that as we put those thoughts under our feet and we give those thoughts no place we begin to be successful because when, when you're a success within you want other people to be successful but when you have whatever type of mentality, loser mentality or fear mentality or whatever it is, then, then you bring people into your circle. 
and, and they become the same way or you try to influence people with that same thing because what you believe in and what you have on the inside of you is what comes out of you and affects the people that are around you. So the way you think today is not just affecting you, but it's affecting people that are around you. And God wants us to affect people around us with positive thoughts. So I shared a few things. I just wanted to review a few of those. There were two or three others that we shared. But I wanted to, I wanted to share those because I want to just take the rest of the time to talk about this, this one, I believe, attribute in life that you might not think that this is probably a key motivator for every person's life, but it is because I don't believe as a whole that we've defined this word correctly. And it's the word humility. It's the word humility. Humility. And a word that, that goes with humility, that has to go with humility, you really can't separate the two, is honesty. See, we've defined humility as, as really, it's almost, or, it, or, or at, least, at least the way I saw the word years ago, and through the years, the people that I've come in contact with, you know, just different ones, have viewed this word as almost, it's almost a, a bad thing. In other words, you know, if you're not humble, you're not good. And, um, and that's absolutely not true. Because humility, humility is a state of mind. And it's something that you have to choose and you, you, you're given the choice every day to think more highly of yourself than you should or to put more confidence in yourself and more trust in yourself than in God. Because what true humility is, is believing that God can meet every need and take care of every situation in your life. So by not taking those cares, you're humbling yourself under his amazing and powerful and overcoming and limitless ability to work in your life. One of the reasons that people are not motivated is because they're so about themselves. I mean, we, we live in a society where we've been taught that worrying about something is healthy. Well, you know, if you don't worry, you know, Who's going to worry? I mean, what a thing to worry about. But we've been taught that worrying and taking the care of something and rolling it over and fretting about things and being anxious about stuff is a healthy thing. It's just part of nature. It's a part of life, and, and it is. It's a part of the human nature. It's a part of what you were born into. You and I were born into a system where, where fear is the motivator. We're born into a system where worry, anxiety, and care, and stress is part of, of what the system is that most people just take it for granted. And for you and I to walk in true humility is a choice every day. And... There's a passage of scripture in James, it'd be good for you to look at it, but I'm going to read this today out of the message translation, so probably nobody actually has that with you, so it'll be on the screen. So we're going to read it, James chapter 4, starting with verse 1, we're going to read that in the message translation, and I want to, I want to talk about several things in this. Do we, do we have that? The message, James chapter 4, <clears throat> and starting with verse 1. Somebody tell me if it comes up. Maybe they didn't get the memo. 
and maybe I sent it to somebody else. <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to start reading it. They'll, they'll get it up before long. Um, James chapter 4 and verse 1. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourself. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. <clears throat> you wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. You're spoiled children, each wanting your own way. <laughs> You're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and His way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that He's a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. So back it up because I want to read this together. Go back to verse, um, go back to verse 4. You're cheating on God if all you want is your own way flirting with the world every chance you get, and end up enemies of God and His way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? Do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that He's a, he's a fiercely jealous lover. And what He gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud but he gives grace to the willing humble. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Now, I want to say a couple things right here. In the New King James, it says, resist the devil and the devil will flee from you. This passage is, 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 I just want to paraphrase a little bit about this passage because what it's talking about, what it's talking about is things that affect, he called it, the body. And um, you can say, well, he's talking about the physical body, but, but I, I believe it's more like the body, the body of Jesus, the body of Christ. And he said, there's divisions and there's fighting and bickering and all this stuff among you, and, you know, just in general. And he said, and it, and it, creates, it creates this self-centered thing. So if we turn inward, what happens is our motivation is now all toward us and not toward the plan of God. When, when, when anything becomes about me, what happens is I separate myself from humility. See, God blesses humility. Say this with me. Humility, humility. reigns in me. Say it again. Say it one more time. Humility reigns in you. Why? God blesses and increases humility but 
has no place for self-centeredness because it won't produce his will. He, he's a jealous lover. He jealously desires the time and the attention with you so that you can know things not only about yourself, but about his plan and his purpose and his future. That's what he desires. And humility in itself is a motivator. So instead of you and I having to be people that are working up motivation, you know, ah, I got to be motivated. Pastor said, I got to be, you know, we really need to be motivated. So we got to work this thing up and stir it up on the inside of us and try and really try to be motivated, you know, act like we are and smile. You know, I mean, have a frown until you feel like smiling. You know what I'm saying? I mean, be real and be honest, but man, connect yourself with God and, and watch on a day-to-day basis your ability to come under his strength and ability so that, so that as he rises, you rise. <laughs> See, wherever he is, that's where I want to be. I want to be right where he is. Now, I made this statement on Wednesday, this past Wednesday night, but I'm going to say this again because <clears throat> I got a little extra to it. But I want you to think about this. The Bible says, the Bible reveals to it. It doesn't say this exactly. I'm saying it like this, but it says this in so many places. You and I are to go from fear to fear. Well, Pastor, I thought it was like faith to faith. Think about this. We're born into fear. When you come through the birth canal and you're born into the world, you're born into a spirit of fear, a, 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 a system of fear that constantly is moving in that way. We have to learn how to live by faith and trust and confidence in God. That fear thing is, is working. It's like flowing. And so most people are in that fear flow. And, and when you turn, and there's a current moving this way, and you turn in that current, it's like, man, things are just beating constantly against you when you're attempting to live by faith. But here's the thing. We go from the fear of the world and the system and the thinking of fear to what the Bible calls the fear of God. And the way you define the fear of God is humility. And you go back to what we talked about in the beginning, that, that humility comes in your life on a day-to-day basis from Faith to faith. We go from fear to fear by faith to faith. I'm going to say it again. We go from fear to fear by faith to faith. Romans chapter 1 says, from faith to faith we exist on this planet. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, we live from faith to faith. In other words, from one faith experience to the next faith experience, and in that experience, all the fear that has to be rooted and moved out of us so that we can walk in the fear and the humility of God is the process that it takes for you to be a motivated person. See, if you're constantly motivated living from faith to faith, to go from fear to fear. There's no working motivation up. I'm telling you, the Word of God and the Spirit of God and your connection with God will keep you so motivated. I mean, people have to shut you down. Oh, man, okay, okay, you know. I was like, oh, man, here he comes again. I mean, you know, he's just talking God and talking because, because we become so confident in God's ability to work in our life that it's nothing about us except our obedience to do what he says. Remember, Holy Ghost, he never sleeps. So he's always talking to you, and you can know what he says, and then as you do what he says, it's going to produce the results he says. Fear to fear by faith to faith. Let me give you an example. So, a 
I'm just going to take myself, and I'm going I'm I'm to walk through this whole thing just giving you an example of myself. <clears throat> I came out of a family where, where the Wimberleys were fear-riddled, ruled people. My grandfather was a great man, but he was a man ruled and riddled with the fear of failure. And he worked and he bought businesses and he did all kinds of stuff. And what happened was he, he was real successful and then he was a real loser in the world's world, in the world's thinking. And then he'd come out of that and be real successful and then fail at all the different kinds of things. Why? Because he was motivated by fear. Then got passed on to us. I got born again right around the time I was 18 years old, and I was riddled with the fear of failure. Didn't even know it. Thought that's the way you live. I didn't know that. So when I came in to the kingdom of God, I was taught faith. And one of the things that I was taught was how to be delivered from fear. Well, I just, you know, I, I mean, when I would think of fear, I'd think, well, you know, I'm not afraid of the dark, and I'm not afraid of somebody hurting me, and I'm not afraid of this thing and that thing, you know. But what I was afraid of was way down deep inside of me, was pushed down inside. All my years of growing up, there were fear experiences that happened that the enemy took note of. And see, if you don't believe that there's a devil out there and there's demonic spirits, they know everything that's happened in your life. They were around. They weren't, they're not omnipresent to where they're all places at all time like God is, but they're a counterfeit of that, and they've watched all kinds of things that have happened in your life. So everybody sitting in here today was born into a fear world. You were not born into a world of faith. You were born into a world of fear. And so what has to happen with us is we have to get delivered of that fear I had, to be, I had to get delivered of the fear of failure and the fear of man and other things that, that were passed down to me. And I could start getting rid of that the day I, I got born again, I, that I got born a second time, that I got born again. Now, now I've got something that I can begin to work with, even though I didn't realize that I can begin to work with it and get set free of it. So now the fear of the world and of failure and the fear of man through the faith of God, I could begin to develop a faith-to-faith -faith lifestyle and get rid of that. How do you get rid of fear by faith? That when a situation arises and you're afraid of it, let's say that let's say you're you're getting a new job and 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 you're afraid that you're not going to be able to meet the standard of the of the people that you're going to work for and it's just riddling you and and so you do all these crazy things to try to prove yourself and the more you do it the worse it is and the worse it gets and so the word of god begins to be preached to you and you, and 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 you begin to hear the word that you can do all things through christ who is your strength and all of a sudden you begin your eyes begin to be opened up and that's what happened with me my eyes got opened up and i realized i didn't have to be afraid of men i didn't have to be afraid of failing i could do some things that weren't just in my comfort zone and i could step out in faith and believe for things but when i first heard words that that started challenging me about the fears that were in my life, it began to be a faith experience. We live from faith or from one faith experience then to the next faith experience. And when you gain some ground by faith in believing that God is more real than the fears that are coming against you, when you, when you believe that that's real, then it becomes a part of you. And, and all that's happened is you've come through one thing and now there's the next thing. And listen... There's going to be the next thing in your life for the rest of your time on planet Earth. There'll be the next thing. Oh, you mean we, we can't, we're never going to come to a place where, we, where we, we don't have any of these experiences? No, the Bible says there'll always be stuff coming against you. The difference is that when you go from one faith experience in, instead of one, you know, one defeat to the next, I'm going from faith to faith instead of defeat to defeat. So that's where a lot of the world goes because of their thinking. Their motivation is crushed because of their thinking. They don't see themselves as God sees them.
So what his word does is it begins to reveal to us who we are and we begin to step out in faith and believe God and what it does is it destroys fear and then what it does is I become more confident to come under the power and the ability of God which is humility and when I come under that, I'm protected. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. See, but that doesn't just come because you make a few confessions. That comes because you're a doer of the word that you're hearing and you're listening daily to the Holy Spirit and He's revealing to you what you can do on a day-to-day basis. And see, one faith experience may take you two or three or four or five years. Ten years. I, I mean, there's no time period. But you know what? The Bible says there's always a promise in the Word. The Bible says if you don't quit, you reap. No matter how unmotivated you feel today, maybe discouraged that you feel today, maybe there's something that's not working right, I'm telling you, I'm telling you the key to your success and the key to your motivation is true humility. Humility, coming under. Look at 1 Peter. First Peter 5. In verse 6, 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. How? Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. One translation I read out of says, he can take care of it better than you can. So, Where does humility come from? Humility comes and is manifested as I'm casting every care every day. Because casting a care that tells me I can't do it, I'm not enough, there's no way this is going to work out, I've prayed and prayed and Nothing's happening. It appears that nothing is going to happen. Nothing's going to manifest here. It's a care that you've taken. If you cast that and release that, and you only do that, see those thoughts that come like that, they're not removed by the thoughts, they're removed by words. So that care comes and says, you know, it's never going to happen. No, no, no. God promised, if I don't quit, it'll happen. God promised he has a plan for my life and it's coming to pass in the name of Jesus. Those things have to change. And as I'm doing that in my faith experience, what it's doing is ridding me of the fear of the world and bringing me under the fear of God, the humility of God that is empowering me. You know what he says he'll do? He'll exalt you when it's time for you to be exalted. The success will come in your time. You know why? Because in most cases, what people don't realize is God is protecting you from ruin. Most people are after success, like driving through McDonald's drive-thru. Okay, God, I confess five scriptures, now I want all my stuff. And the problem is, you didn't go through enough faith-to-faith journeys and experiences You weren't going from faith to faith, and so you're wanting all the stuff without being delivered of fear. And all that will happen is you, you you may in the natural create things coming your way and what looks like fulfillment, but what will happen is that stuff will destroy you because you don't have the character to maintain what's come your way. See, what, see, if we allow humility and the fear of God, understanding the fear, I'm not talking about being afraid of God. See, I'm talking about reverencing his ability to, to take the care of things so much more than I can. Because the more I care for something, the less he can do. But when I cast it, with my mouth, when I declare his word about a situation and not take that care, then what happens is his ability works 
on my part. So now we mix his ability and my ability, which he, you know, you say, well, he didn't need your ability. Yeah, he said he did. He said he can't accomplish things in the earth without us doing what he says. Not me doing what I think, but me hearing from him and then doing what he said. He set it up that way. I mean, God's God. He can do whatever he wants to do, but he set it up that way to be partners with us. So when you see God as a partner, you know what? He, he Four times in the New Testament, he called you and I equal partners. That's what he called us. Joint heirs. Hmm? That's like Dale and I going into business, and we're equal partners of the business. God said, I'm making you, this is what he said to me, Bert, I've made you an equal partner. Here's the bylaws. <laughs> this is what our company will produce, and, and, and all the rewards go equally to us. So everything that he says is so that is the result of what his word says, it belongs to me. And you and I have a right to believe this. We're joint heirs. But if we don't get in the process and allow the word to take us from fear of the world to the fear and the humility of God, you're not going to be able to handle what's coming for you. And I'll just tell you today, I'm so at peace. I'm not talking about complacency. I'm, I'm so at peace about where I'm at because of what the humility of God has created inside of me. I couldn't preach this to you if I didn't see this for myself. I didn't say it's perfected in me. I'm saying I've been walking this thing for a number of years and I couldn't preach it to you if I wasn't able to tell you that this works. Because true success is when a person believes something. And I believe that humility is the key to being motivated to be successful. Not motivated out of fear. I'm going to say that to you again. Because I would have to say that most people are motivated for success out of fear. God does not want you to be motivated for success out of the fear of what someone else thinks. God wants you to be motivated for success out of humility. Everything I have, everything I've accomplished, everything this, that, that we save out of ourselves, it's a result of our connection with God. Amen? And when you believe that, nobody can shake you. Nobody can shake you. <clears throat> Yesterday I was on Twitter and I I follow the New York Times, and uh, there was a big, long article, well, you know, big, long article in my phone, <laughs> um, on a guy named Mark Driscoll, pastor of Mars Hill Church out on the West Coast. Anybody ever listen to Mark? Lift your hand if you ever listen to Mark Driscoll. Yeah, a few people, too. Um, but... <clears throat> He started pastoring a church you know, some, sometime in the mid-90s, and uh, this guy has done some amazing things to reach people that would never grace the door of a church. I mean, this guy has done, I mean, some of the examples that I've read about in this guy's life are absolutely amazing examples of what God showed him about reaching people of the world. Amazing. And, and I'm just saying this to you based on messages that I've personally heard of his. I don't agree with all of his doctrine. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm not against him. I'm just saying I've heard the man. I'm not talking about what somebody else told me. I'm talking about what I heard him say. I don't agree with all of his doctrine. 
I don't know what's going on behind the scene, but they're hammering that guy. I mean, they're hammering him. I mean, hammering the guy, trying to stir up all kinds of things. People that left the church are stirring up all kinds of stuff about this guy. And he's this, and he was a tyrant, and he was a, you know, called it spiritual abuse and all these kind of things. Well, I've been accused of spiritual abuse. But I saw on, an, on another site, I saw, because I wanted to see if he had made a comment, I saw a quote that he made, and it was the most humble quote. I can't remember even the exact words of it, but so humble. Just humility coming through. And he just made the point, you know, I'm sorry. And he said, I know I've done things that have hurt people. I know I've done things. And it's hurt people, and it's this and that, and and he he said that. But he said, at the end of the day, I can stand before God, and I stand before him today knowing that God loves me, and I'm called, and I have a purpose. You see? And, And what he's saying, in essence, he doesn't fear man. Not that he doesn't take responsibility or or deal with situations or things that come up. Because as a leader, if you're gonna if you're leading more than five people, you're gonna have issues. Think about that for a second and then laugh. If If you're leading more than five people in business, I don't care where you're at, you're gonna have issues. Right? And if you're the leader, at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. Whether you like it or not. It doesn't matter if they're all wrong in what they've said. Still, you take responsibility for stuff. You don't blame. You you know, I I mean, I've had people leave our church at different times and they've spread all kinds of things. We don't go and try to justify our position. Because, you know what? Something that I did built something up in their mind that they felt something toward us. Okay? I take responsibility for it. But I will not apologize for what I do. And I saw that in this guy. And the reason is, is because I fear God. I don't fear man. I love man. I serve man. I've given myself to the ministry and to help people's lives, but I do not fear men. And I'll tell you this. At the end of Jesus' three years of ministry, right before, short time before his crucifixion, The Bible says they all left him. So, I still see a few people around. (laughs) David's still here. (laughs) You you, you know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, you can't fear what people think of you. And if you fear man, you're not fearing God. And you're not walking. So so do you see today, what what I wanted to leave you with today was, humility is a choice to bring you in a protective place where nobody can hurt you. Jesus said, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And he said two things. Nothing will hurt you and nothing will harm you. That's under that place that protective place of the fear of God, which is humility, that creates an honesty of heart that, I mean, nothing and nobody can penetrate. Because look look, look at this. At the end of the day, if nobody can hurt you, then what does that mean? Nobody can hurt you. See, if nobody can offend you, nobody can hurt you. And at the end of the day, if nobody can hurt you, then you're free to be a blessing, to look at the good in people, to uplift other people, to focus on what's happening outside of you and not focusing on you. Because when I'm on myself, God can't do anything for me. He can do nothing for me. He he, he has to sit back, take his hands off because I'm in control and I'm making it happen. The number one key to staying motivated in life. I mentioned those things last week and I reviewed those, but the number one key to staying motivated in life is humility and choosing it every day. Yeah, but pastor, I'm not sure what that is. God will show you. Remember, Holy Spirit's never asleep. 
He's always talking. He'll reveal to he'll, he'll reveal to anybody that's listening. Man, that's all I want. I, I just want to hear his voice and do what he says. There's a pastor, Paul Youngie Cho, pastors the largest church in the world, over a million people in Seoul, Korea. And uh, in one of his books, The Fourth Dimension, it's called, he said he read in that book, or he wrote in the book, that a guy came to him one time, something like this, years ago when I read it, but something like this. A guy came to him one time and said, he, he traveled all the way to Seoul, Korea, he says, you know, if you'll spend a little bit of time with me, I want to know the secrets of your success in building a church of over a million people. <laughs> and the guys, and Dr. Cho said, sit down, take five minutes, less than five minutes to give you my success. He said, I pray and I obey. No, 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 but I mean, no, no, I pray and I obey. Yeah, but I mean, no, 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 I pray and I obey. So he hears God, does what God says, and it works. Can I say this to you as, I, as we leave today, as we end? If you don't think you can hear God, give it a try. And, and, and the only thing that I think that a person has to choose to do to hear God is just find some time where nobody's talking to you and nothing's playing. Turn your phone off, set it aside, and go and just take you 30 minutes. And do what? Just sit there. I mean, just sit there. What could happen? What can happen? If you pray in the Spirit, if you pray in other tongues, and you pray in the Holy Spirit, and you understand what that is, as you pray in the Spirit, the Bible says you'll pray in the understanding, but you've got to shut the world off. And as you shut the world off, and you listen, it's amazing what can come to you. Well, but was that God or was that the devil? I don't know. What did he tell you? The devil's not going to tell you to do something good. It's amazing what can happen if you'll take the time to learn how to hear the voice of God by just being quiet. That's what I found. I'm not saying I'm, you know, I'm the, you know, the best at it today. But I'm telling you, I'm, I'm getting gooder and gooder. <laughs> I, I don't want to live this life not hearing the voice of God. So I just find the time. Sometimes I'll just sit. Sometimes I'll walk. I used to drive, but that doesn't work anymore. Too much stuff going on. I need some quiet time when nothing's happening around me. And I'm telling you, God, God, if you just give him five minutes, he'll take five minutes, and something can happen. Remember the little thing I told you about walking ten minutes, five minutes out, five minutes back? What if you walked for five minutes and you just listen? Just walk straight, five minutes back, or whatever it is. But if you did that... If you just listen for 10 minutes and you did it every day, what could happen? I'm not God. But he said, if you give him time, if you, if you take a step toward him, he'd take a step toward you. He's just looking for our steps. That's it. We don't have to make it happen. We don't have to dream something up. He'll speak to you. I don't know how he does it. He just 